Hi there and welcome to this week's episode of the Accepted Authority Podcast. My name is Greg Rowworth and I'm your host each week on this podcast where we talk about the challenges confronting consultancy firms and how they're, um, well, and particularly the strategies that they can use to be seen as the accepted authority in their field so that they can grow their businesses with a successful uh, platform of client acquisition. So this podcast is titled The Accepted Authority and the strategies we talk about are around authority positioning, but that begs the question, who are you the authority for? So in today's episode, I want to focus on the answer to that question because really when we think about our marketing and our target markets, we need to be limiting, restricting, narrowing our focus to the specific ideal clients that see us as the authority. The reality is that in most professions, we have too many competitors to be considered to be an authority across the board. But we can look at a few people who stand out as authorities in our fields and look at what they've done and how they've applied their skills and their craft to be seen as the authority in the field. And uh, one recent prominent name that I keep seeing is a guy called Michael Zispersky. And he runs a consultancy practice now working with other consultants and helping them do similar things to what I do, in fact. Um, he is um, probably an example of someone that I'm trying to emulate and on my way towards doing in the fact that he is seen as an authority in, in that specific field. But he's narrowed down his focus to consultants who work in the B2B space and has written a book and puts out YouTube videos and does all of the content, um, educational type content that enables him to be seen as the authority in the field. And we've seen that from numerous people with specializations. And another um, one who comes to mind is Seth Godin, who's a specialist in the marketing space. And he's written books and blog posts and uh, has created a lot of educational content so that he's now regarded as the specialist in that field. Now, he's not... Um, a specialist across the whole scope of marketing. But when you look at his um, area of, of prominence, if you like, his field of marketing is particularly geared to um, startups and small businesses uh, initially. But then his, uh, that an original level of fame, if I can put it that way, that he gained from his narrow focus spread then into a wider focus. And that's what tends to happen when we set ourselves up as the authority in that way. 
Now, for most of us, and for me too, this was a challenge to get over. You know, I wanted to maximize my opportunities to gain work wherever I could, from whom, whoever I could. So anyone who was willing to pay me money to do work for them was originally my target market. And I learned the hard way that that's not a great strategy. For one, when you do take on just about anyone who can afford to pay you, you end up with a mixed bag of clients that really, some are great clients, some are pretty average clients, but some are really clients you would rather do without. And uh, I went through a period early on in my uh, consulting career where a number of the clients I took on, I decided that I had to terminate the relationship with them because it just wasn't working out for either of us. But the main reason it wasn't working out was that they weren't following my advice and implementing the um, suggestions and the recommendations I was making. And therefore, they weren't getting results. And the best thing I could do for them was actually stop the relationship. But ideally, why did we end up with those clients? And I'm sure I am say we there because I would suspect, and from my experience, I know that most of us start out the same way and perhaps continue for some time with the legacy of those choices where we have a mixed bag of clients, some of whom are ideal clients, but probably the majority, are less than ideal. And some are even clients that you should not really be working with. And you're probably better off sacking those clients than continuing on that relationship. Because even though it contributes revenue to, to um, your practice, it probably undermines your confidence or the people who's, uh, who are working with them directly uh, undermines their confidence, their morale. Um, you know, you've probably felt it yourself in the pit of your stomach when you get up in the morning knowing that today's the day that you've got to go and face that client. You've got to go and work with that client that you aren't enjoying working with and you're really not looking forward to the meeting. And if you have enough of those clients, it's not great for your health in the long term. You end up both physically and probably mentally challenged because of the stress that those relationships create. So I decided early on that I wasn't going to work with those sort of people. So then came the question, well, who did I actually want to work with? And I did something that I do with my all of my clients now. When we when I take on a new client, one of the things we do is analyze their client base and we go through who they enjoy working with, who that who uh, which of their clients um, is, are the most efficient, the most profitable, the most likable, and the most long-term, the, the ones who are potentially uh, clients for life. Now, with that criteria in mind, 
we're able to rate the clients in terms of, let's say, A, Bs, Cs, and Ds. Um, and the Ds are the ones we don't want to work with. The, the A's are the absolute cream, the, what I call the premium clients. So there is a patch or you know, a, a bundle of clients in the middle there that are probably okay to work with, but they're not the ideal clients. So I'm not saying we need to sack those people, but we need to find efficient ways to work with those organisations or people that are those Bs and C clients. They're, you know, they're not doing us any harm, but they're, you know, maybe just bread and butter clients. They pay the bills, they pay on time, they work with us, but they're never really going to be huge on uh, uh, contributing to our profits. But it's those A-class clients, the premium clients, that I want us to take a look at a little bit more closely. Because what I've found in almost every case is that those A-class clients have similarities and they have enough similarities to say that there's something going on here. There's something in the the makeup of those clients in the profile of those clients that actually makes them ideal. And not only that, there's an affinity we have with those clients that makes them the perfect clients for us to work for. So if we can understand that, and if we can look at our client base and determine who are the ideal clients that we want to work with, then doesn't it make sense that every effort that we put into our marketing is focused around attracting more of those premium level clients? And to me, that is an epiphany that hasn't perhaps occurred to many people and certainly didn't occur to me until sometime later than actually deciding who my ideal clients were. Yes, the focus was on them, but I hadn't really developed a marketing system that was specifically designed for them. But when I did, when I designed a marketing system that focused on those premium level clients, we had a, a real change of fortunes. We started to see premium clients coming more regularly, more consistently, and that just made life so much easier. We had people turning up, making our sales process easier. Our sales conversion rates went through the roof, amazingly, to a point where almost, you know, well, I would say two out of three sales meetings we had turned into clients. And these were clients that had come through our own internal marketing not referrals I'm talking to. In fact, we got to a point where our marketing-generated clients were better to have than referred clients. As strange as that might seem, that was the reality because we were able to, oh, I, mean, I could say groom our clients to be the perfect clients, but there's a 
different connotation on that word these days. But that's really what was happening. Because of our marketing system, we were able to attract the premium clients that we had an affinity with. We were able to design the perfect solution for with the services that we provided them. So there was a natural progression of them wanting what we do rather than going to our competitors who were just offering the normal services that everyone else does. So when we come to being the authority, we want to stand out as the authority for our premium level clients. We don't have to be the authority for anyone else. In fact, we would rather push them away or, or repel the, the Ds, definitely. But even the Bs and Cs, we want to put up some barriers to stand in the way of them coming into a sales meeting because why not make sure that all of our marketing effort and marketing investment attracts premium clients? And if every client who turns up at a sales meeting is a premium client, how much different does that make our practice and our life? So think about it. In your organization, how would you go about defining who your ideal client is and then how do you become the authority to them? Because the way to make marketing successful is to start with that foundation of understanding who is your premium client, then how can you be positioned as the authority for them in solving their biggest problems? And that really is the start of being the accepted authority. To understand your premium level clients with the depth of detail and knowledge that you really understand them. And and I've said this often before, the most important task in our marketing is to make our clients feel understood by us. Because when they feel understood, there's a level of trust and a level of authority that no one can compete with. It doesn't matter how great someone else's services are, how extensive their experience is, or how good their qualifications are, they cannot, they will not compete, cannot stand up against someone that the client feels understood by. So when we have that premium level client defined, our task is to really go deep in researching what their their challenges are, what are the, the the things that keep them up at night? What are the not only the the general business challenges, but also their personal challenges? How what are their personal lives like? What are you know, how does their personal life and their business life intersect and interact? Because when we can know them with that level of intimacy, it changes the way we communicate with them. We no longer have to communicate with them in corporate speak or in marketing language 
In fact, we want to eradicate any sense of that from our marketing. If your website talks in corporate speak or talks in jargon and talks over the head of your clients, there's no possible way that you are able to connect with them on any level that's going to attract them. But when we can speak with the intimacy that shows them that we really understand them, that we know what they're going through, that we understand how that affects them and what the impact of that is on them, and we can talk at that level, we can create an immediate connection and immediate growth in trust. So this is really important if you're struggling to attract your premium clients consistently and predictably. If you have a mixed bag of clients, some of whom you'd perhaps rather not be working with, and if you're looking to change up your marketing so that all you're doing is attracting premium level clients, then really look at who they are first and how you can then be the authority for them. Because the strategy in consulting and growing your consultancy firm should be focused around growing your connections and your client base of premium clients. And that does a number of different things. First of all, it not only makes your sales process easier and you attract better clients that are willing to pay you more money and typically will stay around longer than the B's and C's and D clients, but it also allows you to look at your business model. How do you serve your clients? And so instead of being the servant of the many, becoming the authority to the few means that you can design your business to be focused on solving those few clients' specific challenges. You can become the expert in that limited field in such a way that, well, no one else will compete with you but you can also create cost efficiencies within your business. That means that your pricing, or it goes two ways. People are willing to pay you more because they're getting a more specialized service, but internally you can reduce the cost of supplying that service because of the, the similarities of every client because you're doing the same sort of work for every client because they have the same problems, they have the same challenges that you're dealing with, you can design the way you work with your clients to be able to meet that specific need. And when you do that, you can define it in a much more cost-effective way. Now, I'm not going to suggest that any consultancy firm can operate like McDonald's but the principles are the same. McDonald's narrowed their focus, or when McDonald's was taken over by Ray Kroc, he narrowed the focus to a very confined set of products. 
And they made sure that the systems in that business meant that those products were produced with an identical level of quality every time. When Steve Jobs came back into Apple, he reduced the product range from the hundreds down to four products. There's a pattern here. When you can reduce the number of services you provide to your clients, so look at your website and check the list of services that you say on there that you're offering and actually go back and analyze how much revenue came from each of those services. And probably there's, you know, if you could apply the 80-20 rule to that, I'm sure that 20% of the services that you're offering on your website more than likely produce 80% or more of your revenue. So why do we have this long list of services? Because you know, we're wanting to attract or you know, have as many opportunities as we want to get business. But the reality is that when you narrow your focus, when you offer a limited range of services to a premium level client, you're much more likely to be attractive to those clients when they see that you're the perfect match for their specific challenges, they won't go looking for anyone who's a generalist. They come to you and are willing to pay higher prices because they see you as a specialist. That's just the way of the world. You, We don't have to look very far to see other examples of where specialists get paid much more than generalists. And we're not talking marginal rates here either. We're talking multiples of price increases when we compare specialist prices to generalist prices. So I want to wrap it up there to help you see the benefit of narrowing your options to a specific premium level target market that are a better match for your best services, the the ones ideally that allow you to do your best work. And that makes your life more enjoyable. It makes your business more profitable. It makes your business easier to run. It makes your people happier and more content, more satisfied in their roles. And it makes your life better in general. So why not go down that route? That's my recommendation to you to look at who can you be the authority for? I'm Greg Growworth. If you want to know more about my approach to marketing and what I call the strategic authority marketing system, then check out my website at businessflightpath.com where you can get access to a free ebook that tells you all about that process. Or do a search for me on LinkedIn or Facebook and you'll find plenty of content there where I'm talking more about this process of attracting your premium level clients. So I'd love you to connect with me. I'd love you to leave comments um, if you're finding value from this podcast or let me know personally. Either way is is fine. And um, just to wrap up today, just really have a think about who are the clients that you love working with more than anyone else 
and they're more likely to be the most profitable clients that you have and the most um, been or satisfying clients to work with. So become the accepted authority for those people in your practice. I'll leave it there for today. This has been Greg Rowworth on the Accepted Authority podcast. Catch you all next week.